television is where all the big risks are being taken, where the most exciting work is happening. And this is a festival that celebrates that. Finally, there is an independent avenue for people who want to just go into the TV business. It's just wonderful to have an outlet for all of the creativity that's happening in television and in new digital media right now. The fact that there's this, there's Series Fest, which allows you to put it in front of an audience and gives you a platform to put it out there. Like that's the most impactful thing as artists that we can ever hope for. Hi, I'm Randy Kleiner. And I'm Kaylee Smith Westbrook. As the co-founders of Series Fest, we welcome you to Breaking In, a Series Fest podcast. In 2015, Series Fest began its mission to champion and empower artists at the forefront of episodic storytelling by providing year-round opportunities for creators and industry experts to connect, collaborate, and share stories. We are thrilled to expand our mission with this podcast as we talk to working professionals in television and gain insight, advice, and hear their journey of breaking in. All right. Hello out there. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Randy Kleiner, the co-founder and CEO of Series Fest. We are here today because Series Fest hosts a podcast, and this is the first one that we are doing live. So we're so thankful to have you here in the audience with us. Our podcast, Breaking In, we're here traveling to several campuses, so we're so excited to be out here on this beautiful Berkeley campus. Um, and thank you, a huge thank you to our partners at Xfinity. And without further ado, I want to welcome a very special guest who I'm going to have a really exciting uh, conversation with and delve into his career. I'm going to ask him some questions, but um, I'm encouraging all of you to think up a couple of questions because I'm going to throw it to you at some point. And if you have any questions for our guests, I encourage you to ask them and soak up all of his incredible mind and wisdom and knowledge. Having grown up in the industry, Terry Washington inherently has a passion for music and entertainment. That passion has led him to manage and oversee tours around the world with platinum recording artists like Chris Brown, Eric Benet, and the Fugees. He has produced films in remote locations and managed the legacy of music and fashion icons. As the industry evolves, Washington has expanded his focus to produce original content and curate special projects. He is known for his creative visualization, ability to stay connected to trending media platforms, and a Rolodex for which CEOs would pay millions. His skill set has translated into lasting management in the entertainment industry for over 20 years. He is the founder and CEO of Zane Ryder Management. Please give a warm welcome to Terry Washington. Hey, 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 hey. How are you, how you doing? I'm doing good. Believe I, you know, this is this is the first time we're getting to meet in person, which is so exciting because usually when we do the podcast, I we're still on Zoom, so this is actually yeah. very nice yes. that uh, I actually get to see you in person here in Berkeley. Happy to be here. This Thank is great. You. I always love coming to the Bay, so this love is it. good. And you, you came in from LA, Los Angeles. Yes, yes. So uh, a quick. Little thirty-five minute flight down, something like that. Very nice, very nice. Well, I, I want to jump right in because you've had such an impressive career and uh, a, a really distinct and unique journey. And I want to I want to get right into it. So, what was your first job in the entertainment industry? Good question. Um, my first official job, where they actually paid me, and you know, I had expectations. There was a record label in Atlanta called 1720 Records. And, um, and I had done jobs before then. I had, you know, interned and roadied and, and literally the guy who just was 
doing whatever they needed to do in other little studios around the city, but I never really got paid. This particular job was, hey, we'll pay you. I'm like, I'm there. So it was 17, 20 records, and I was brought on, if I'm not mistaken, as like a product manager um, slash tour manager, you know, sort of thing. And um, an independent label, they had like a couple of acts on the, on the roster, and uh, they were just putting a lot of money into these artists. And one of my good friends, a guy named Divine, called me up and said, hey, I got an opportunity for you. You should, you know, give me a call. And I never looked back. And what do you think was the most challenging thing about sort of breaking into the music industry? Um, wow, that's, that's probably a thousand answers for that. But the most challenging thing is just sticking with it. You know what I mean? Like it's, you know, everyone that I know that that's made it, it's, um, it's, it's not easy. It's a, it's a tough mountain to climb. And the ones who are persistent and focused seem to be the ones who sort of navigate through the waters and, and, and make it. Did you kind of always know that you wanted to be a manager, a producer? Um, well, my dad played jazz music. He was a jazz trumpet player. So my dad played with James Brown, uh, Dizzy Gillespie, you know, B.B. King. He was just, and he didn't make any money. He was just one of those working musicians, didn't really make anything, but that was his passion. So I was around musicians all the time. And um, being around musicians, I sort of had a feel of the language, of the temperament, things of that nature. And, and fast forward, uh, my brother had a, a, a group that he was in when I was like 16 or 17. I later had a group we wanted to, we thought we were gonna be the next Jackson 5 type thing. None of that worked, but I was always the guy who sort of had the insight of what we should do next. Do you play an instrument? Sorry, just curious. My biggest regret, I gave up. I played piano briefly and guitar briefly and I gave it up. My biggest regret, but I'm gonna pick up the guitar again this year. And, and start. All right, you heard it here first, so we're gonna we're gonna have to follow back up with Terry just, and make sure because, you picked up that guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just because I, I love the outlet. I, I won't I won't try to make any money, but I love the creative outlet. Um, but no, so I, I was always the guy who could could get us meetings. And so I remember we were in the studio once, and the engineer said, "Hey, man, you should you should manage. You you just seem to have the gift of gab." And the, and that was sort of the the moment where I thought I thought about it more seriously, you know. No, I think that's so important because I feel like, you know, even I went into college for directing, which was even, but you know, most people, you go to college and you think, you know, either I want to be in front of the camera, I want to yeah. be on stage, I want to yeah. be a musician. And, you know, you don't really get to really know the other side of things, the creative side, the management production yeah. side. Um, and I, I just think it's so important because there's a whole other side of this industry that's exciting and unique and fun and you get to make decisions and you get to even be in charge and, yeah. you know, it's good to, to find those opportunities. And make a lot of money. You'd oh, be surprised. There, there are plenty of jobs where you can make a lot of money um, where you're behind the camera. You know? Does anyone out there want to make a lot of money? <laughs> totally. Yeah, all right. Totally. So, yeah, a lot of stuff behind the camera. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And so then where, so then where did you go after Atlanta? Um, L.A. Okay. You know, literally, I, I stayed in Atlanta, you know, I had my son when I, was, when I was younger. So I didn't really dive into the entertainment game too much later. Um, you know, I, I fiddled around and I knew some people here and there and I kept my relationships. But I spent, you know, a good many years in corporate America. You know, it was one of those situations where, you know, you got to keep the lights on and provide and all those good things. So my focus was, OK, let me be a, a good father and make sure the bills are paid and get him in college. And um, and every now and then I would, you know, 
consult a project loosely and just sort of keep my ears close to who was who and what was what. But I had to sort of derail my plan a little bit. Um, and then once he went to college, it was like, you know, full force. Let's, let's make up for lost time, so to speak. Yeah. Got it. And so when did you officially become a manager? So I started tour managing artists again. This is, wow. Uh, I, I can't even think, but We're taking Terry back. Yeah. 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 So it had to be at least 15 years ago. Yeah. Fifth, roughly 15 years ago. And again, because I had the skill set to travel, be on the road, know how to manage artists, know how to deal with artists, but I also had this, you know, really ambition to do more. I had, you know, I had a lot of relationships. I, I had a creative sense of how to get things done. My network was expanding. And so it, it became more than a tour managing situation. It became a situation where I was brokering deals. You know, I was creating opportunities. You know, even artists or talent that I didn't even represent, just people that I knew. And I would call them and say, hey, I got a situation for you. And, you know, I always tell people the best way to get someone's attention, bring them a check. Right. Hey. And they will, they, <laughs> will, they will answer your phone and they will, you know, have a conversation. So my whole thing was, how do I bring opportunity to these people? Now, you're probably saying, well, how did you even know these people? But, you know, it was three degrees of separation. I knew this guy who knew that guy. Right. You're, you have such an entrepreneurial way <laughs> yeah. that you've gone about it. I yeah. mean, you really took you took the business and into your own hands exactly. and just went out and got it and made opportunities for yourself. It, it was literally a situation where. I wasn't getting hired by anyone, so I kind of hired myself because they didn't know they didn't people didn't know how much I knew or what I had done necessarily. They just didn't. Everyone didn't know. And so I said, well, you know what? I'm going to just do it and then they'll find they'll know sort of thing. So I would just create these opportunities or or reach out to this person who who knew that person and say, "I I have a check for you in short. And and once you do that, now we have a relationship for a long time. That's right. I think that's, I think what you're saying about, you know, again, kind of creating your own opportunities, making things happen for yourself. It's so important, especially, you know, when you, when you figure out what you want to do, like just go for it. I mean, get, get in the room, get there, do what you got to do and make it happen. That's, that's literally what it is for me. Again, everyone's story. And I, and I, I'm, I never want to say like I'm the gatekeeper or you got to do it this way. Everyone has their own way of getting to their goal and, and reaching their dreams. And, and I, you know, you got to follow that. But um, for me, it was one of those things where I'm going to bet on myself and, and I believe in that. And my confidence was through the roof. Totally. I, you know, I so relate to that from a Series Fest perspective. When we started Series Fest, it was like, you know, how, you know, people always ask, how did you get all these connections and relationships? Yeah. And I was like, I talked to everyone I knew, <laughs> asked them who they knew, begged a million, fa- I'm going to owe people favors for the rest of my life, but yeah. that's okay. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, really just went out and, and again, you know, just wasn't afraid to say like, you know, get me in front of this people. I yeah. knew that I could seal the deal if I could just get the meeting. So I just pounded the pavement to get the meeting. Exactly. Just let me get in the room that's and right. I, I'll, I'll take care of the rest. And, and sometimes, you know, people recognize that they recognize that, that tenacity, yeah. And, and it goes a long way, you know, it go, and then you, you got to deliver, of course, but people want to see you're really committed. Definitely. Well, I think you just brought up a next good point, which is you then have to deliver. So what was that first either big concert tour? You know what? Great question. So the very first time I think I really made a check and I really thought that, OK, what I'm doing is probably going to work. Um, it's a really long story, but I'll try to give you the, the important parts of it. I was in New York. Um, 
I was in New York for another project with Coca-Cola because I was working for Coca-Cola Corporate America. And I'm literally walking down the street one night. I want to say it was 23rd Avenue or whatever, but I'm walking down and just sort of um, hanging out, walking. And I see at the Hammerstein Ballroom, they had this event there. And they were, and I was really impressed with sort of, you know, the production and how it was all put together. So I, I literally, I think I just saw one of the guys walk and I said, hey, 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 what's going on here kind of thing. And he goes, and, you know, he was busy shuffling around. He goes out, you know, we got this, you know, award show kind of thing. I said, oh, well, well who's doing it? And he's like, you know, so he writes down, he scribbles, you know, the name of the company. He goes, call this guy, he'll, he'll tell you everything. So the next day I call the guy, right? Who, and, he, and, the, and the guy that I called was one of the owners of the company, right? This is crazy. Crazy. So he and I speak for two or three minutes. He goes, well, let's have coffee. I'm like, done. So we go have coffee. We have one of these sit downs. We end up talking for maybe 30, 40 minutes and he go, he's offers me a position. He goes, Hey, you know, I like your style. I like the way you think. Would you want to work with us on some accounts, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm you had me at hello. Um, so to your question that they, they, they produce major events, Super Bowl events, Grammy awards, GQ men of the year awards, all those type of events. I was able to bring in the Super Bowl that was in Jacksonville, Florida. I guess this is in 2013, maybe, something like that. They did the entertainment for the city, for downtown. And again, I, I, didn't, I didn't know anyone. Um, but my dad played in a jazz festival in Jacksonville, right, many years ago. Wow. <laughs> so I, I just basically asked my dad, who, who was the person who was, you know, that, was, that kind of thing, who, who was making the decisions? He gave me the name. I called the person and said, hey, I'm Teddy's son. I met you a long time ago, that kind of thing. And <laughs> it took a year because you can imagine everybody wants that business. Super Bowl is a big deal. And they had all these RFPs, all these companies, and I just kept calling and meetings and conference calls. And uh, everyone at the office, EventQuest, they were like, Terry, this isn't going to happen. It's just, you know. You worked for EventQuest? That's, you know those um, guys? Yes, I do. I, so I used to own an experiential event company. So you know Mark Vetter? I know. Yeah, uh, so crazy. John Swartz was the guy who okay. I had coffee with. Okay. There with you go. You. Right? Small world. I have, in fact, hired EventQuest when ah, I've been unable or outsourced okay. to them. Okay, so, uh, so there you go. Good, good company. Good company. So um, they were like, Terry, this isn't going to happen. You know, I'm like, just. We, you know, I can't afford to let it go. You got, you know, so I kept, I kept making the calls and just selling the company and selling our capabilities. And long story short, we ended up getting the contract to do Super Bowl. And that was my first big win. Wow. So, yeah. And what did you produce there? We did all the, everything downtown, the concerts. Oh, you did the whole thing. Literally. You did the, like, Super Bowl Central. Yes. Okay. So the week of downtown, creative, visual, production, entertainment, that was all us. And, um, yeah, I felt good about that one. That's amazing. That's I produced um, a Pepsi Super Bowl activations in Phoenix a few years ago. I was there when uh, Katy Perry was halftime yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so we were we were hanging. <laughs> we were probably like next to each other, exactly. but didn't know it. See how small the world is. See, so it's crazy. Uh, that's so that's so amazing. So you really so you really started an event, but yeah. then started bringing the talent in, bringing bringing it all together. And again, you know, I'll be. Strictly 100% honest, you know, everyone, I just kind of, everyone knew I knew people, which is, you know, kind of weird. Um, but they just, it was a situation where I could get talent. I could get, you know, this person, or at least I had the relationship to get the conversation started. So it just made it kind of easy to have me on board, I think, for certain situations. Like, well, you know, see if Terry knows so-and-so. And again, you let me in the room, I'll make that into, you know, 10 other things. Um, 
just because I, you know, I, I think about it constantly and I'm trying to be creative and, and how can we maximize the opportunity and those sort of things. That's, a, that's incredible. And then what was, you know, then you kind of got into touring as well. Um, so what was, what was one of your major tours that you did and how did that come about? Wow. Um, Let's go with your first major tour because yeah, I know you've done yeah. a lot. So, so working with 1720 Records, right. they had this group, it was a reggae group actually, called Elvis White, which they never really made it. Okay. Right? <laughs> they never really made it, but the owner of the company was in love with them. He just thought they were the best thing ever. He, you know, he would, they were from, I think, Turks and Caicos, and he would vacation there, so he had an... You know, he had a, a, a personal love affair for the guys, and we ended up getting them, we ended up getting Akon to do a remix with one of their songs, which led to us opening for the Fugees. And the, this is when, and so the Fugees had already broken up, so this was their reunion tour. Oh, wow. <laughs> so this is two, maybe, maybe 14, I don't know. They're actually on tour now. So they, this was their reunion tour, and they hadn't been together for years, and so they were in, they did like a month and a half in Europe, and our band opened for them. That's incredible. And um, it ended up, the way it all kind of worked out, we became just one big family. I ended up getting very close to Wyclef and his manager and everyone, and, and that was sort of how I really learned how to go overseas and work, you know, and, and just how different certain things were and, and being sharp about, you know, customs and everything else. You know, I take away from your story so much about also just throwing yourself into things <laughs> yeah. and not being afraid to, when you don't know, learn, yeah. ask questions, I'm yeah. sure, but, but yeah. also just really, you know, go, go after it and just put your, you know, you got to put your faith and trust in, in things and not, not everything works out, right? Yeah. We're obviously telling the good stories and I'm, yeah. I'm sure there's others. <laughs> I, I know I have them, <laughs> yeah. but no, but it's so important to just, um, you know, th there's so much you find and, and, you know, it may not be your dream job. It may not be the dream thing, but you go, you keep going, you, you know, push through. Yeah. I mean, you know, granted, I, I recognize my, that's my personality. I know some people say, hey, that's not really how, and I, and I get that, you know, I, I've just never been one to um, let fear get in the way of whatever I, I thought I could do. You know, I, I was, had, I had a conversation earlier today, as a matter of fact, and I was telling them about me coming here, having this, this conversation. And I said, um, even as a young person, when people would ask me, what do I want to do? I knew it was entertainment related, but I would always throw in there, I just want to reach my potential. And, and that may sound sort of ambiguous and vague, but it, it was like, if I could, if I think I can do it, I kind of, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm going to try it. And I think I'm, I'm pretty confident and I'm pretty smart. And so I never thought I couldn't do, you know, the movie thing or the television thing or the music thing. I just thought, well, I could do it. So let's figure it out and then throw myself into it. I love that. Well, since you mentioned it, you also, you're producing in TV yeah. and film now. Yeah, how, did, yeah. how, did you, how did that come about? Um, so initially how it came about, so I leave Atlanta and I moved to Los Angeles. And at this point, when I moved to LA, you know, again, I knew a lot of recording artists, you know, from working with, you know, the Ushers and Akons and TLC, a lot of the Atlanta artists that I knew when I lived in Atlanta. So I came to LA and I don't know how I knew these folks, but there were certain producers that I would bump into or that someone would introduce me to, and they would say, hey, you know, we're trying to get T-Pain to do Pimp My Ride for MTV. Right. Stuff like that. I would get those kind of conversations. Hey, can you get, you know, <laughs> Ludacris to do, you know. You just brought me back. I loved Pimp My Ride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, MTV Cribs and stuff. So I, I would get those kind of calls. And so I'm like, well, yeah, I, I know so-and-so. They made me, you know, again, I, I, I know him or I know the guy next to him. I make that call, 
But then I started to think, I need to be incorporating myself into these deals. You know, can't be doing favors. All You know, it's like, okay, how do I? So that's really how, you know, it sort of turned the corner and from the production side of things. Um, a guy that I knew started a, a, a film company and brought me on as VP of uh, development production for the film. And so we, we end up partnering with um, the Bubble Factory. Not sure if you're familiar who those guys are. So the late great Sid Sheinberg, you know, and if you guys who don't know who Sid Sheinberg is, he's deceased now, but Google him. He produced Jaws and E.T. and Schindler's List. Uh, you know, he discovered Steven Spielberg, so he's, he's a big deal. And this script came to me, and I read the script, and I thought it was great, and we, we ended up partnering with the Bubble Factory and put this movie out called What Lola Wants. Um, Anchor Bay ended up acquiring the film. Yep. Uh, so that was my first feature. And then I did another film, a short that got into Cannes Film Festival. Um, but again, I, I, sometimes I feel embarrassed saying this. I, I, I didn't know what I was doing before I did it. Like, I literally was like, okay, I asked tons of questions. I was a sponge. I was early. I stayed late. Like, whatever it took to figure it out, um, that was me. It sounds so cliche, but, you know, working hard. <laughs> no, it really, it's, it it's not working. It's hard work. I mean, you know, especially when you're starting off and doing new things. Yeah. I mean, it is hard work. It is but, hard work. But does it pay off? And it pays off. And I, and I always say, you just got to be willing to do the things that the other guy didn't want to do to be really, you know, honest, like everyone thinks it's, they see the Instagrams and all this stuff and they just see the, that result, but you got to do the things that the next guy doesn't feel like doing. He doesn't want to wake up. He doesn't want to pick this paper up and move this and take this person there. Like there's tons of things that nobody wants to do, but when you're the person who's doing it in a weird way, you kind of become the person who they look to, to get things done. And if you're smart, you take that, you know, position and you kind of parlay it to other things. Definitely. And now with the producing work that you're doing, how are you finding projects or are they coming to you or? Um, some are coming to me, but you know, you kind of get in this community of folks who are making some incredible content, you know, and it's now it's about finding the right project, finding the projects that speak to you or you think the timing is right, that this needs to be heard, this story. And, um, and I'm just around so many great creatives you know, and it's exciting to be in that space and, and, and those guys sending you scripts and you're kind of bouncing ideas back and forth. Um, and it makes you want to kind of create yourself, like, you know, writing titles or writing little log lines and saying, okay, I got, all I got is a log line, you know, and, and finding your writer friends and saying, what do you think? You know, and, and that's really where we are now. It's just, it's, it's a machine of, of information and ideas and how do we develop? How do we get this from an idea to something on paper to someone looking at it to someone saying, hey, I love it. Let's put some money behind it. Well, in the last year and a half, especially, it's been all development or there's been a huge focus on development. Yeah, yeah. And, and do you also go in the room and pitch your ideas to studios, networks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I've, I used to do a lot of pitch meetings. Um, not that I don't anymore, but there was a time, I think, after we did the first film, I found myself in tons of meetings trying to get, you know, other projects up and running. Um, COVID, you know, it's so weird. I, everyone, I, I feel like everyone has sort of been in this bat cave and just creating, creating, creating. And then as I hear from the networks, they're sort of like log jammed. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> their projects were on hold. And so, you know, so you kind of got to maneuver through that space of, well, they're not really taking it right now. What do we do with this thing? 
you know, and then some people are like, let's just shoot it ourselves, you know, and there's now content is king. There's so many platforms and it's like, I just tell folks, just make it, just make it. I love that you say that because that is Kaylee and I's mantra since we yeah. started Serious Fest. Yeah. We always get asked, what's your biggest advice? And that is the, the thing yeah. we say, go make it. Just make it. Even if it's crap, learn how to make good stuff by making crappy stuff sometimes. But you just got to make it, keep making it. There's a place for it somewhere. Um, and, if, and, if, and if there isn't a place for it, you're still going to come out better by making it because we're in the, you know, again, when I started, not that I'm a dinosaur, but when I started, there wasn't all these platforms, you know? I mean, you had your basic channels and maybe a couple of cable things here and there, but streaming didn't exist. So you were kind of like, it had to fit on those cable channels. I can recall going to pitch meetings and someone saying, well, this, is only, this, is, this can only live on, in two places. You know, MTV and the E! Network. <laughs> like, oh, well, if they don't want it, you felt like, well, I guess we're done. That was the landscape. And now, you know, <laughs> there's hundreds of places <laughs> yeah, de definitely. And then you've got national and international yes. now, too. I mean, I think yes. we're seeing such a huge... Yes. Um, and, and again, just the more opportunity than, like, to your point, just go out and make just it. Just make it. So that's, that's sort of been where we are now with everything, you know, getting these ideas and getting them off the page into action, you know. Are there any other... Are there any kind of trends that you're seeing in either the type of content or genre of content that you're either pitch or and or pitching at this moment? Um, it feels like right now, I mean, there was a moment where, <laughs> so funny, maybe this is a network thing. They wanted all these game shows, which is, I guess, I, I think they always want game shows. <laughs> like Squid Games? Like Squid Games, right. <laughs> but it feels like because the networks and even the streaming platforms recognize that there's, you know, tons of places to take your content, that they're really open to some really you know, truth-telling stories, some diverse stories, um, different perspectives, different walks of life, but they're not really stuck on, you know, straight and narrow, something we've seen a million times. They're really, I, what I've noticed that companies and networks are really open and want those diverse, you know, stories that may seem alternative, but they're really not actually. They're just, we just haven't had a place to, to showcase them. So I think um, I was had a, called just two days ago about this very same question. And he was like, you know, we have these crazy stories that we feel like now is the time we could tell them. I love that. I love that. I also think, I mean, the nice thing with streaming too is it's, you know, the length of content. You can really get cre the, creative, the creativity from the voice all the way through to the structure and the function can all be shifted now. And I feel like we're starting to see more, uh, you know, more people pushing boundaries on that. And I think we'll continue to see that. I love it. I, I love, I love that we're pushing boundaries and people are being creative and using that creativity to think outside of the box and actually, you know, tell some really interesting stories. Like that's, I, I sometimes I'll get treatments um, or pilots sent to me and I'll just look at them like, wow, this is, this is great. They even thought about this and we're actually able to execute it. That's amazing because you didn't always get this 10, 12 years ago. I love that. And what projects are you working on right now? What do we have now? Um, knock on some wood. There's a, there's a lifetime film that I, um, I may be doing the music for um, supervision for the film. So we're, we're hoping that comes to light. One of the artists that I represent, uh, Eric Benet, just got um, AMC optioned or picked up six, I think it's six or eight episodes, sorry, eight episodes of um, a pilot that he delivered called Snap. He and his partner, Devin Hampton, Devin directed the thing, and um, 
It's I love it. And you shot it already? Shot it. Yep. It's been shot. It's like 22 minutes long. And it's it's everyone who's seen it is like, whoa, this is pretty cool. Because it's, it's very like Twilight Zone-ish, you know, X-Files. Um, but it, it came out great. So they picked it up. We're already working on some new stuff um, that we can't probably talk about now. But we're already, <laughs> we're, we're like, we're like, okay, cool. That's out the door. Next one. Um, I was on a call yesterday about a project we're developing as well. There's a couple of music ideas. We're trying to see how we can make those work. So it's, it's a never ending wake up, you know, start writing. I also love how much your music has influenced what you're doing in film and TV, which now is influencing some of your music. I think that's just such a beautiful ecosystem. Music is in everything, right? I mean, the soundtrack is in every day of our lives. I listen to music probably 70% of my day. Like it's literally, I keep some music playing. So I'm always excited about the marriage between whatever you're seeing visually and then sonically. And then that helps my creativity of what to create sometimes, you know, what to talk about. So for me, music is, I, I, I say this all the time, I always say music is the girlfriend you never break up with. Once you're in music, you're always in music. So. I typically find a way to keep myself attached to it in some way. I love that. And is this, would the Lifetime movie be the first thing your official music supervisor on? Yeah, I've done it for some little smaller projects, but this would be the first real one, real one. Like we talked about the real job, yeah, real check. the real job. This would be the real check. Um, so I'm excited. I That's mean, I hope great. it comes together. We've been talking about it, you know, and... Um, and again, I'm, I'm being just full transparency. Do I have a lot of credits doing music soup? No, I do not. But they came to me because they know that I know music. One, they know that I have relationships to bring in certain artists or producers to help create the tone sonically for this. Um, and they like working with me, so... I just, again, I'm just so, no, I'm so amazed at, you know, first of all, I'm, I feel like I'm trying to think of what does Terry not do? That's, that's, that's you know, you do so much, but you've also, you're creating these opportunities for yourself and you're go, one thing is leading to another, leading to another, and you're continuing to um, push and try new things. You know, you're yeah. not even just settled. You're not even like, this is me and bo-. like, it's just what else can I be doing? And, you, you and know, it's, you're I, so creative I, also. I, I never know, some, and I'm just being, I never know if that's, Good or bad, to be honest. I think, you know, sometimes you want to say, well, he's really good at that. That's what he does. And if, if you were to nail me to a cross on that one, I would say music is sort of, that's my lane. I, I know it, you know, management. But um, I'm such a creative, you know? Like, it doesn't stop with just the music part. I, visually, I, I see things and ideas that we create and write down. So it's like, okay. And I'm such a hands-on guy. Like, I want to be involved in the process. Not just... You know, I want to be involved. So, I'm, and again, it's back to me being a sponge and learning. Yeah. And I, I can't learn if I don't stay connected. You know, I think I've always found, and I don't know if you found this, but that I learn the most usually in a situation that's extraordinarily challenging mm-hmm. or is there, you know, some event or some tour or somebody you're managing that was extraordinarily challenging? And, and then how did you overcome that? Something you weren't expecting maybe? Um... Two situations come to mind, you know. One, when I first moved to LA, a friend of mine had a, got a contract with um, Yahoo to do some digital shorts or digital, it was a series. And she brought me on to produce it. And, you know, I had never produced something to that level before. So that was extremely hard. And I mean extremely hard because it was so, it was so different than music. 
it was so many things that I just, I didn't know some of the terminology. And, and so I had to really dive into the deep end and hit the ground running. And I was, you know, I literally kept a notebook with me and I was asking questions and writing down. I mean, it, it, was, it was 20 hour shifts. That may have been one of the most challenging projects that I had to work wow. on. Well, it wasn't 20 hours for everyone else. For me, it was. Ah, okay. <laughs> because I was like, you know, again, literally up at four in the morning reading the notes from before and up late. And if things weren't right, I, re- I recall, forget the girl's name, she would say, Terry, that's not how, you know, that's not how we do it or whatever. And, I, and, I, and she would correct me. And so I would be studying these notes to make sure I got it right. So that, you know, that particular situation, and I still have the notes to this day. That might have been 10 years ago. And I, and I literally, they're on my phone. You know, and so I just, you know, I never forget that moment and I reference it when I have to, you know, and as far as artists are concerned, you know, I always believe it's you have to represent and sort of be a mirror of your the yin and the yang to the talent. Some some people aren't for you. You know what I mean? Some artists, it's just, you know what, this isn't a good marriage. But um, you have to understand their temperament and, and know how to counter that and make them the best version of them and make them shine. Help them shine. They are, they're already a star. How do you help them shine? You know, and um, even when it's challenging, the smart ones get it and you know how to, again, put the things in the right place so it works out. That's great. All right, audience, I want to come to you and give you a question. Does anyone out there have a question for Terry? All right. Can we ask you, if you don't mind, so we can put you on the podcast, to come say your name and ask your question. Hello, I'm Travis. Hey, Travis, Travis. how you doing? Good, pretty good. My main question was, especially at kind of an executive level in entertainment, how do you manage your work-life balance? I kind of grew up in in film and television, so I've seen it be an incredibly all-consuming business, and I'm sure music and other forms of entertainment are the same. So how do you kind of make sure you're not, you know, up at 11.30 p.m. on a Saturday putting out fires, you know, how do you, how do you kind of balance that, those two aspects? Travis, I'm so glad you asked that. Terry, I have the same question. <laughs> Travis, there is no answer for that. That's the honest answer. Um, I've read a quote recently, and it said, if you want to be great, there is no balance, right? So that's one part of the answer, because that's, that's truth. When you're trying to be great, there really is no balance. You're, you're going to be up at 5 a.m. and up till 2 a.m. and you know, they're going to text you and call you and demand this. And, you know, if you're, um, if you're a person who looks at yourself as I'm the guy, I'm, I'm the closer, then you answer those calls and you get it done. But, you know, family's important. You know, your own personal Travis time is important. <laughs> so you got to find the little things. You know, I try to work out on a regular basis and, you know, sit on the beach for 20, like you gotta, you gotta recharge it any way you can. It may not be in big chunks, but you find those little spaces. But again, being great, there, there isn't much balance, I would say. And, I, and, and the people that I know who are really successful, not much balance. I hate to say it, I know it sounds very gloom. No, I but appreciate the answer, thank you. I, yeah. I would add too, I mean, I think advocate for yourself you know, I think that you're the only one that's going to advocate for you. And especially, you know, before you're on the top and you're rising through the ranks, people will, you know, if you're willing to give in your time, people will take it they and they'll take take, it. sometimes even take advantage of it. So creating a balance for you and yeah. prioritizing, advocating for yourself, making sure that that's important if you're going to work for a company, that that's important to them. You know, one of the best ways to find out about a company is ask other employees, figure out what their turnover rate is, things like that. Because there are companies out there that want to support 
you finding balance, that want to support you, having a family, having time for yourself. And I mean, for me, and as someone that worked and now runs a company, like that's so important. Like I want my employees to take time for themselves because it's only going to make them better and happier. And if they're happier, then they're doing better work. Um, so, f- you know, find companies and, and you can do that in all different ways. And I think, um, so, you know, find companies that that's important to them and also advocate for yourself. That is true. I mean, don't, I- don't listen to me, but <laughs> oh, and I should take my own advice. I should just say that I also I work. I, uh, my team laughs at me because they get emails from me, you know, at three, yeah. four in the morning on a regular basis. Um, and uh, I, you know, I say to, but you know what I do? I say to them, I say, I might. That is when I work, but. I don't expect you to answer me at three, four in the morning. And again, that's just kind of setting boundaries. So I always make it like, don't feel like because I'm doing it, I don't want to create this frenetic energy. You can answer it when you get up in the morning, but my mind might be spinning. And so let me say one more thing on that. (laughs) I I will say this. It's, it's contagious. If you're around people who are workaholics, sometimes you find yourself just kind of following that tempo, but I'll say this and, and parting. So you, we were, there's clarity here. Everyone has their own journey. You know what I mean? And what your success quota is and your code of conduct that's you and don't let anyone take you off of that if you now you may grow and change but if you're like you know what i'm not trying to run the world i'm not trying you know i I know what i want then that's you and and that's what i would say you know um again my journey it was way different and i i felt the need to be a sponge and, and 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 get as much information as i could and i still do that so, you know, I work on Sundays, usually every Sunday. I'll, you know, around five o'clock, I just go in the office and start doing some work to get ahead of Monday. But that's my personal journey, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, to, I totally relate. I'm a workaholic, but, I've, you know, I've also tried to, as I've grown older, too, find time. And yeah. I think that's true, too. Like, you know, I think when you, when you get out of college, too, go take that time to, yeah. to do those things so that as your life starts to change, then, yeah. you know, you've, you've kind of gained those skills and... Um, but I agree. Everybody yeah. has their own journey. Yeah, your own journey. It's true. But I'll take off on a Wednesday and go to the beach and don't tell anyone. You know what I mean? That's, I can do that. So, yeah, you just got to figure out what works for you. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Anybody else out there have a question? Don't be shy. Hi, good evening. Uh, my name is Avril. And uh, firstly, I just wanted to thank you so much for joining us today um, and for sharing your wisdom. I'm, you know, I'm very grateful that you're here with us today. Um, it was very helpful and very thought-provoking. So first, I just wanted to express my gratitude. Um, secondly, of course, is the question <laughs> that I'm here. I, I kind of wanted just to seek your opinion. Um, I wanted to ask, um, do you think money and networking predominantly plays a role in breaking in the entertainment industry, or is it more so virtuosity? Um, I would elaborate on this question, but before I do, I'd, I'd like to seek your thoughts first, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah, well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, if, I, if I understand the question correctly, you say money and networking? Yeah, if that seems to be playing a predominant role in breaking in the entertainment industry, rather than being virtuosic and talented, necessarily. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it's a great question. Of course, this is Berkeley. What, is, what did I expect? Yeah, exactly. Again, you know what? I, I would say every journey is, 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 a, is a personal thing, you know, and you have to decide how you want to get in, where you want to get in. You know, that's and, and again, when you're younger, sometimes you don't you can't see it that way because you're trying to figure it out. So I, I get it. But, you know, again, I was on a phone call today talking to a buddy of mine about some of this. What I ha- and I told him this because one of the things he and I were speaking about is he, he wants to get in or do something and he 
His question was to me, could I do more for him to help him get in? I'll just give you the broad stroke. And I said, at least once a week, I'll get a call or email or meet someone who says to me, hey, I want to be in entertainment, you know, put me on, hook me up. What I had to learn is you have to find the focus question. What do you want to do? And believe it or not, half of the time, the answer is, oh, I don't know, I just want to kind of be in entertainment. Well, your homework assignment is, what do you want to do? Right? Because now, once you get to someone like myself or anyone you know, who's, who's been in it for a while, they know how to help you. Right? I know, oh, I know who I, she needs to talk to Randy. Let me connect you with, you know what I mean? But, so I would say it depends on what your journey is to be honest, because then you, you can, it's, it's not that it's easy just to navigate, but you, we now have some structures like getting in a boat. We, we know where we're going now. At least we know where we're starting. So whether it's money or the networking or, or whatever, you just kind of got to know what you want to do in the space. And then you start, you know, sort of moving in that direction and networking in those circles and, and, and you know what I mean? Getting information in that space. That's what I would tell someone. But the first thing is, and, and I know it's hard when you're young because sometimes you're like, well, I don't really know what I, you know, you don't know all the time. And that's the tough part, you know, and, and there's many ways to get in, but. But I was just going to, I mean, I like what you just said about, first of all, when you don't know, because yeah. um, I feel like I did so many different things before I really yeah. figured out what I was going to do. And when you don't know, go in and try everything. Yeah. Like now's the time, like get internships, get jobs, get like, just try anything that interests you because I, and I, I have almost learned more from the jobs that I knew that I figured out was not my career path. Totally. But I learned so much from those jobs that um, really led me to where I am. And so I just think, you know, even if you're not sure, but you have some ideas or just try things. I mean, there's not, a, there's never a better time than now to be doing that. And I think that's just so important. Yeah. And, and you know, as you're doing that, you're going to get frustrated. You're going to be like, this sucks. You know, that's part of it as well. I mean, again, I hate referencing my friend. I won't say his name, but like the paying your dues part about it, you know, it's going to suck. <laughs> you know, there was, I mean, I did a lot of jobs where I didn't get any money at all. And I tell people now, even to this day, when I've had interns or different things, I'll say, what's your agenda? Is it the money right now? Is it the information? Is it the relationships? Decide what your agenda is. Then you're going to know, you're going to know whether to take this particular job or not. Right? And, and sometimes the real payoff, I just need to meet people in this space. Or I just need to learn how to do a call sheet. You know, I need to, you know, whatever that is, okay, I'll do it. I'm, I'm getting paid nothing, peanuts. But six months here is going to be worth, you know, 100 grand because now you have that to take with you. And I think your question about sort of, is it money networking? I think you also said, or is it talent? And I just wanted to address that. You know, I, I think we'd be naive to say that money can't open doors here or there, yeah. but it is your talent that is going to take you the rest of the way, I, I believe. And, and you know, you can learn some of that, some of that, I don't know if it comes from a creative point, but, you know, money can only open so many doors. Um, you really have to, you have to be the one to walk through it. And if you don't have money, that doesn't mean you can't break in or make it at all. Mm -hmm. In fact, you know, I think tend to maybe even work harder and, and get there sometimes even 
quicker. It just depends. I mean, it's all anybody's yeah. journey, but you know, I, I think any of those things can get you through the door. Truly networking yeah. can get you through the door. Yeah. Money can get you through a door and talent can get you through a door. So it's hard to say one or the other in yeah. my opinion, but, yeah, but, I, I agree. but I think you know what you have, yeah. know what your strengths are and then lean on that to break in. Yeah, suppose. No, I that's totally good. agree. That's probably <laughs> it. Thanks. No, that was very helpful. Thank you so much. Thank you. I think we had another question out there. All right. Um, my name is Delilah, and um, I just wanted to thank you guys too. It was really cool hearing kind of experiences from the both of you guys, which was awesome. Um, so I guess what my question is is. Uh, both of you guys uh, express how important networking is in your careers, and I kind of wanted to see if you had any further advice as to how you even know how to start networking and who to network with and like how to make a good like and unique impression with someone to make sure that like you kind of have your foot in the door. It's a good question. Good question. Um, one of the things I've always told a lot of artists that I've worked with, whether they're successful or up and coming, but one of the things that I've noticed a skill set is realizing what people to associate yourself with and what people not to, okay? Um, moving to LA, and everyone that I know who's moved to LA from somewhere else kind of has the same story. It takes about a year to figure, out, to figure out and maneuver through LA because you're gonna come across everything. And, I'm not, and I know this is in LA, but I'm just giving you the, the scenario and the story. You're gonna come across all types of people. And it takes a while to figure out who's for real, who's fake, who just wants to party, who wants to use you, all those kind of things, right? So to your question about networking, I think sometimes it's just trial and error also, but you have to you know, try to find, even if it's one person, who's really doing it, right? Who's, who's busy? Who's working? Who seems to be pretty intelligent? What circles are they in? Find that circle. You know what I mean? And that's going to lead to other circles. For us. Now, this is, as you mentioned, how do you get started networking? You know, again, now you guys, the internet, you could, you could find a lot of great, you know, communities and, and whether it's virtual, whatever, to sort of introduce yourself to folks. Again, when I started, you kind of had to be there, right? They didn't know you, they didn't know you. So, you know, which is great. I mean, I think it's great that now you guys have the, the internet access to it. So I would say... Um, Find the right people to associate yourself with, whether it be in school, whether it be, you know, social media, find the communities, the clubs, and, and that's where it starts. And then it kind of grows, believe it or not. Organically, it grows. Um, I'm sure there's probably, you know, a thousand other answers, but I'm trying to make it as simple as possible um, and, and put myself back to when I was 18, 19, 20, and, and how did I go about it, which is different now, but, you know, you just want to avoid the time killers, <laughs> people who waste your time, that you don't want to do, you know. I love Randy. that, be intentional. No, I think that's so great. I mean, I, I would also just say it's a skill. It was for me, like networking, I, what I could tell from you is- It's a you skill. Can, you, you, but you've got, you've got that skill. I mean, you, you seem that's very natural. It comes naturally yeah, to skill. you. I would say it actually doesn't come naturally to me. And yeah. it, it had to be something where I had to sort of get over the fear um, and just do it a bunch of times yeah. and then learn all the things that you just said, Terry. Yeah. And I think that's, I think everything you said was so, I was thinking about it. I was like, that's so now I'm a habit. Like just being able to walk in the room and, you know, talk to someone and, you know, not be nervous about yeah. it and 
strike up a conversation and then discern all those things. It took me time to no. kind of learn that. And it is tough. And I, again, I, I get that question a lot, like a lot, a lot, a lot. And so it's, I always think about it before I say anything because I, I don't want to use my personal experience because I'm, you know, I'm cut how I'm cut. But I just try to say, you know, if anything, if you could navigate through people who are wasting time and people who are really doing stuff, find those people. And then once you find them, let them know. And I don't mean always calling them and in their ear, just from your, the way you carry yourself. You know, I, 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 had, I spoke out of college about a month ago. One of the things I said was, every time you walk out of the house or you're on the phone or you're whatever, you're auditioning. Right, you're auditioning. People are watching you, whether you think they're watching you or not. So you you want to present yourself, your information, your lack of information, everything in a way that shows them, hmm, hmm, interesting, right? Yeah. What else? And and so then the question comes. So well, what else? What, what do you want to do? You know, they start asking you questions, and 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 that's kind of how it works typically. And I think some people don't recognize the the power in that. Like there's power in that. And once you recognize it. Uh, doors seem to open. You seem to find yourself sitting to other folks who are doing things, and, 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 and there you have it. I just want to point one other important thing you just said, which is listening, too. Totally. And, and you just said it. I mean, it's, yeah. but that, but that yeah. is a huge part. Um, it's, it's, totally. that, uh, it's the listening part, too. That's really critical. It's critical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank, Thank you, guys. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Do we have a final question out there? How's it going? Hey, how you doing? Hello, hello. Good, good, good. So, um, for creators who have completed projects and looking at how to release that into the world now with the social media strategies and whatnot, <laughs> I wonder if you could speak to keeping up with those kind of trends and what are good resources for artists who have complete projects and then it's like okay what to do it what do you do with the your complete project now using social media to get it out into the world great question um i guess it depends on one what kind of project it is that would be the first thing i would say you know is it is it a short is it feature is it you know what lane does it fit in number one um obviously if it's something that's you know pilot driven here's a perfect resource right here as it pertains to that, if it's feature film, you know, you want to hit the the, uh, the film festivals, I would definitely say that, you know, um, there's some social media, I can't think of the names right now, that the platforms allow you to have the film shown there. I, mean, I know folks who've literally made a film and put it straight to YouTube, you know, and just got traction that way, you know. Um, so, again, it kind of depends on what your plan is and depends on what, what format it is. Personally, thinking more on the lines of completed albums. Music albums. Music. Well, that changes the answer. Thank you. Um, <laughs> well, kind of the same thing. Again, it's social media has changed the game, right, in a major way. There's the uh, usual suspects, the SoundClouds of the world, the playlist with the Spotify's, and obviously getting it on iTunes. But I would definitely say you want to have a plan, you know, if you want to A, be an independent artist, or if you're trying to get a major deal. You know, a major isn't for everybody. Being indie isn't for everybody, but it really goes back to sort of what your goal is, your plan for the, you know, for the, for the art that you've created. Visually, what does it look like? What does it feel like? Organically, what's the story behind it? You know what I mean? Like I, I've, I've met a million people who are so talented, but they don't have star quality. I've met a million folks who have tons of star quality, aren't talented, right? So 
it's a science, but it's also a feeling. And you kind of got to make sure, you know, you've kind of connected the dots and, and it makes sense to everyone else who needs to now invest. And I don't mean just financially, but invest their time into this new art. Because right now, the attention span is like this. People flipping through, you know, Instagram, you know, they're just flipping. So for them to stop, now it's not about go to the record store and invest. It's investing the time. And you got to have the story for them to say, I want to invest my time into this artist to see what he's doing. What is he doing next? What did he do, what did he do before I heard of him? You, you see what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, it's bigger than just having a hot song. Now, a hot song doesn't hurt, trust me. But there's other things that I would add to it. So I would say, obviously, the um, social media stream, streaming platforms, hop on those. But then have a plan. Artwork. What's the visual look like? What's the story of the artist? Where do you see this in three, or four, three to five years? Who would you compare the artist to? You know what I mean? There's, there's checklists that I would say, have you asked yourself those questions? Right? And are you following the trend? Are you, are you making the sound that everyone's doing now? Or are you doing what's the future sound? Because if you're doing what everyone's doing now, well, guess what? Everyone's doing it now. Eh. He's a new guy who's doing what everyone else is doing. Eh. Might get lucky, but, but you want to be the sound that they haven't quite tapped into yet? That's what you want to do. Are there, like, you know, you were kind of starting to say it. If, if it was a film or a pilot, you go to a film festival uh -huh. or you go to some organizations. Yeah. Are there things like that for people breaking in in the music industry? Are there conferences or yes. competitions? Yes. There's, um, I mean, I know Revolt has a music conference. There's a few other music, music conferences. There used to be a ton of them. Um, but there's still, there's still some conferences that people can go to um, just to do this to get their songs heard. You know, people don't really do demo tapes anymore, I don't think, but you know, again, a lot of producers and, and labels find artists on YouTube, find them on Spotify, find them on SoundCloud, which is, you know, the new lay of the land, but. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I can't believe um, this is coming to an end. Our first live podcast recording, so so yeah. excited. But, but before it does, I'm gonna have to ask you a final question yeah. that we ask all of our podcast guests. Which is, if you could work on any television show in history... Wow, in history. What would it be, and what would you do on it? Hard question, Randy. That's <laughs> a really, really hard question. Um, I got to think of the shows that I like, first of all. Um, one of my favorite shows is Martin. Mm. <sighs> one of my favorite shows. Um, but, you know, I'm cut from the cloth of, like, Sopranos. Um, what else did I watch? I used to love Miami Vice. <laughs> You know, what would I do on it? I would want to have a role in it somewhere. I would want to do the music for it, obviously. When you say a role in it, would you be on camera? On camera. Oh, there we go. I don't even you know, I just like want to be that. somewhere. Yeah. All right. And, and then do the music for it, and then maybe direct an episode. <laughs> see, okay. I want to do it all. That's I me. I, like I want to do it, it all. Well, yeah. uh, I can't wait to see. What, we're going to have to find you a project to do yeah. both of those things on camera and get you behind the camera. I could do it all. Yeah, I love it. I like that. Terry, thank you so much. Berkeley, thank you. Xfinity, thank you, thank you uh, all for joining us. Um, and if you have any questions, you can certainly come. Feel free to talk to us after. We'll be here. Um, and thank you all again. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. This is fun. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for tuning in for today's episode. SeriesFest is a nonprofit organization, and our work would not be possible without our incredible board of directors, staff, and partners who make programs like this podcast possible. 
We have ongoing competitions, initiatives, and mentorship programs year-round, so please check us out at seriesfest.com and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook to stay up-to-date on announcements. This episode was edited by Neil Trulio with original music by Adam Westbrook.